Although Jesus was regarded as guilty and put to death by a human court, he was proved to be righteous and innocent by his resurrection, exaltation, and acceptance by God. That's Pastor Leighton Sheely, Senior Pastor of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno, and this is a daily devotional study we call Study Verse by Verse on the web at studyversebyverse.com. Pastor Leighton is in the book of John, the 16th chapter. We worked our way through verses 8, 9, and 10 yesterday, and he'll pick up at verse 11 in just a moment as Jesus talks with his disciples about his death and resurrection and the Helper, that he'll be sending the Holy Spirit. Here's Pastor Layton. The fact that death could not hold Jesus in the grave and that Jesus was taken up in the clouds to ascend to heaven and the Father proves that he was innocent and righteous. And when the sinner, under the inspiration and illumination of the Holy Spirit, compares their own wickedness with the perfect righteousness of Christ Jesus, that sinner comes face to face with the reality of the impossibility of acquiring salvation through any effort of their own. The Spirit shows people, and only the Holy Spirit can do this, that righteousness cannot be acquired by merit or effort, but only by receiving Christ's atoning work for them. Now, one of the... Jesus' most profound roles with respect to the world was showing the emptiness of its pretensions of rightness or righteousness, to expose by his light the darkness of the world for what it was. But now Jesus is going away. And how is this work to be continued? And the answer is through the work of the Holy Spirit, apparently. And so here's this great promise. Not only that the Holy Spirit will convict the world of sin, which is something neither you or I can do, but he will direct them to Christ, who alone is righteous and in whom righteousness can be found. Verse 11, concerning judgment, because the ruler of this world is judged. Now, the ruler of this world is a term that's used by the author for the devil, and Jesus interprets his imminent death not as a defeat, but rather as a triumph over the ruler of this world. Now, just a few chapters earlier, chapter 12, he speaks of the devil's judgment and defeat as a future event, but here, the present verse speaks of it as a fact that's already accomplished. The ruler of this world has already been judged and cast from heaven along with the angels that rebelled with him. He was totally defeated at the cross when what appeared to be his hour of triumph was in reality his hour of undoing. And though Satan has been defeated and judged, the final sentence against him will not be carried out until the appointed time described in the book of Revelation. In the meantime, he goes about as the God of this world, seeking to capture and devour souls. And what Jesus is giving here is a warning to those who embrace him and his worldly system, saying that since the ruler will not escape judgment, neither will they, unless they repent. See, nobody likes to think about judgment. And unbelievers want to think that they can do whatever they want with impunity 
and that there'll never be a day of reckoning. And sometimes they're encouraged by the thought that God doesn't seem to judge immediately, and sometimes it seems that evil goes unpunished. But that is false thinking. Now, it is true that God does not visit his judgments upon the sinner immediately, and that it might appear that some evil goes unpunished in this world. But the Bible tells us that God is long-suffering in his judgments. But he is just and sure, and justice will eventually and inevitably come. So the Holy Spirit will make unbelievers aware of their sin and point them to Jesus who is righteous and who is the source of righteousness. Unless they think that that decision is unimportant or not urgent, remind them that judgment is coming. If the individual will not come to Christ, who died for him in order that his sin might be paid for, and that Christ's own righteousness be imputed or applied into his account, then he will experience such judgment. How much better it is to come to Christ now in the day of grace. Now in these verses, Jesus has been talking about the work of the Holy Spirit done for the unbelievers. In verses 12 through 15, he talks about what the Holy Spirit does for believers. Now we've touched upon this in a previous sermon of the series, so I'm just going to address them briefly. Verse 12 says, Jesus says, I still have many things to say to you, but you cannot bear them now. Bear is like to carry. There's too much to carry. There's too much information for you to absorb. But when the Spirit of truth comes, he will guide you into all truth, all the truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will declare to you the things that are to come. The Holy Spirit is called the Spirit of Truth, and one of the things He's going to do is He's going to lead us into all truth. He's going to be our teacher, that as we continue to walk with the Holy Spirit, He will lead us into deeper and deeper understanding as to the knowledge of God. You see, God made things to grow, and He made us to grow, and we should be growing, and our relationship with Him should be growing. And if it's not growing, something's wrong. Something is impeding the growth. We need to ask God to help us get whatever that is out of the way so that we can continue to grow with him. Jesus never spoke or acted on his own initiative. He only said or did exactly what the Father told him to say and do. And likewise, the Spirit's teaching is not from himself or from his own authority. He teaches only what he hears. Now, the verse doesn't tell us if he's getting his instructions from the Father or the Son. But that point is probably immaterial anyway because the Father and the Son are always in perfect alignment. It wouldn't wouldn't matter if he heard it from the Father or the Son. He would hear the same thing. By the way, that's the way families are supposed to operate. Children should go to mom or dad and hear the same thing. Mom and dad should be in alignment. And when mom and dad are not in alignment, then the kids figure out how to play them against each other. And which parent to go to to get the answer that they want? Parents should be in alignment. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit are always in perfect alignment. And he says to declare the things that are to come. Now this could refer to revealing some 
prophetic distant future, but it might also refer to providing them the guidance that they needed when they needed the guidance. The, the things that are to come, we're not too far away. I mean, for instance, the church was not too far away. And the Holy Spirit gave guidance as to the apostles as to how to organize or lead the church. The Holy Spirit gave leading to the apostles as to how to organize the church in, in Acts chapter 6 gave guidance to Peter and Paul as to where to go and where not to go. My friends, Peter to Cornelius, Paul to Macedonia. The Holy Spirit gave leadership. Verse 14, He will glorify me, for he will take what is mine and declare it to you. All that the Father has is mine, therefore I said that he will take what is mine and declare it to you. The work of the Holy Spirit is Christocentric. That means Christ-centered. He doesn't bring attention to himself. He brings attention to Christ. He brings glory to Christ. He will glorify Christ. And Christ, in turn, glorifies the Father. The revelation that comes to the Christian community through the Holy Spirit is the same divine revelation that is spoken to the disciples through Jesus Christ. There's no division in the Godhead. What the Father has, the Son has. What the Son has... He gives to us through the Holy Spirit. Remember the end of the previous chapter, the Holy Spirit will testify and you must testify. The Holy Spirit and you. Every conversion in the book of Acts was through somebody who had already been saved. Jesus bore witness to the twelve who shared that on the day of Pentecost and the days following. Even Paul, who had this remarkable experience on the road to Damascus, was affected by the testimony of others. He was there when Stephen was martyred for his faith. He was there to hear the sermon of Stephen. And when he was in Damascus, the Holy Spirit sent Ananias to him to give him guidance. Cornelius was praying, and an angel appeared. But the angel didn't tell Cornelius about the gospel. The angel told told Cornelius to send for Peter, who came and shared the gospel. God uses believers to share the gospel. The Holy Spirit will testify, and you must testify together. This is God's way. It's by the power of His Spirit working through human believers like you and I that the gospel is shared. It's so important for us as believers to keep ourselves available for the leading of God's Spirit so that when God's Spirit prompts us, we can open our mouths by faith praying that he puts his words in our mouth for that person who is seeking to know God. What an awesome opportunity we have, and what an encouragement to know that the Holy Spirit is available to help us as we attempt to share our faith with others. 
You're listening to Study Verse by Verse, an outreach ministry of Church of the Highlands in San Bruno with the teaching of Pastor Leighton Sheely. He's in the book of John, and we'll begin a new message on tomorrow's broadcast. I hope you can come back. This visit is um, here on this station at this same time every day, Monday through Friday. I'm Mike Trout. You can contribute to the ministry if you feel blessed by what you hear and would like to partner with us. Go to our website for this ministry, studyversebyverse.com, and uh, contribute safely there. That's studyversebyverse.com. The church, Church of the Highlands, is on the web at highlands.us. And details about the current preaching series are available on the web, plus all of the times when Sunday school starts and the services begin, and, of course, directions to the church in San Bruno. It's all on the web at highlands.us. Dot U.S.